Hey, you made it. You made it to part two in our mini-series, The Ascent. What we're really looking at is what does it look like to move from being spectators to participants at Church on the Rock, or um, maybe it could be said this way, consumers to contributors at Church on the Rock. It's been interesting over the years, my wife and I, um, as we've had people into our home, um, we've wanted them to feel like they belonged that they were more than just visitors in our house, but that they were welcome to anything, that they could grab something out of the fridge or they were welcome to help out in any way that they felt led to. And that the more comfortable that people become, the more they begin to feel like family, the more they want to use their gifts and their talents inside the context of our home. I think the same thing is true in a church family. At Church on the Rock, we don't want you just to sit on the front porch. We want you to come in the house. We want you to find out um, what we're all about and what we're involved in and what you could do to be a contributor towards those things. And so last week, we kind of told our story, um, where we came from as a church, uh, where we are now, what we believe, and where we're going. Um, and then we asked you to take a gifts assessment test. Hopefully, you took that test. If you didn't, you can still do it. It's on our app. You can go to the Ascent link there and take the gifts assessment. But really what that's designed to do is to give you some clues as to how you're wired by God. And what we want you to discover this week is how has God wired you and how does that uniquely contribute to the body of Christ, the family of God, and at home here at Church on the Rock. And so our prayer is that you would discover what that is that makes you come fully alive and that you would bring that gift to the table because we all need what you have to offer. So here we go, church. Let's celebrate today and let's see what God's gonna do in these next few moments together. Let's go. Well, I'm so proud of you guys for coming back. I know I was long-winded last week, but uh, called in the big guns this week to uh, make sure we covered everything in uh, uh, a, uh, an appropriate amount of time. Um, I was actually supposed to be up in Victory Bible Camp this week, uh, teaching at the Reach 907 foster kid, uh, teen foster boy camp. Unfortunately, it got canceled this last week because there weren't enough male counselors uh, to facilitate the camp, even with me and Jeremiah willing to pull double duty and play other roles and be counselors. Um, we didn't have enough guys, so uh, we're hopefully going to offer that camp in January. So if, uh, if any of you are interested in helping out with that, let me know. I'll get you the dates and we'll get you uh, signed up to uh, get all of the all of the work done to be a counselor there. Um, but uh, as for this morning, uh, we are going to move into, like walk, uh, our lead pastor, Jonathan Walker, said, we're going to move into step two of our Ascent uh, Pathway to Partnership class uh, preaching uh, mini-sermon series. And uh, my good friend, Jonathan Garland, he is, uh, he's, gonna, he's here. Come on up, Jonathan. Give Jonathan a hand. He is here this morning to walk us through this and preach God's word this morning. Uh, thank you, Jonathan, for being here. Let me pray for you, and I'll right. turn you loose, Sounds brother. good. Uh, Father, we just uh, we thank you that we are here today in your house, uh, able to worship you openly and freely. 
Lord, I pray that uh, even though this information uh, may be uh, secondhand to some of us, Lord, that you would still, like Sophie said this morning, for, uh, even if we've heard it a thousand times, this thousand and one time, uh, Lord, that uh, you would reveal something new to us, that you would be uh, pricking our hearts and moving us in, in a new or fresh or revived direction, Lord. Uh, God, thank you for being our rock and our salvation, Lord, I pray for Jonathan this morning as he is uh, as he's preaching, that you would just give him clarity of thought and that you would uh, that you would speak through him, that you would use him as your vessel this morning to uh, to preach your word to us. In Jesus' name. We all said Amen. Amen. Thank you, Cody. We love the Farringtons and we love Church on the Rock and we love the Talkeetna version of Church on the Rock, and one of the things, I always find something to talk about that just sort of pricks my interest, but um, the amount of joy that I experience in this room every time I visit is, uh, is just unparalleled. It's fantastic, and it's an indicator of something good when you're around joyful people and joyful leaders, and Steve, your jokes are legendary, um, man. I, I, I just absolutely love it, and I love the things that you guys are doing with the kids. Thanks for all those who are participating right now in the kids' uh, programming. Um, so critical, so important. Uh, when I was pastoring down in Oregon, my wife was leading that little before, before kids' church ceremony thing. Steve, she was doing that every week, and uh, we just value that ministry so so much, allowing the kids to be a part of what it is that we're doing, right? Good stuff. And it's good to see all of you guys here. If you, haven't, um, if you haven't been introduced to me before, I'd love to meet you, but my name is Jonathan Garland, and um, I come up every once in a while, usually to give Cody a break, but I always love it when they're here because um, we can hang out just a little bit longer, uh, but, uh, but I'm excited to be here. And we are going through this uh, week two of the series called The Ascent. And if you were anticipating like preaching this morning, which is really my MO, it's what I love to do, um, I'm sorry to disappoint you. It is more on the teaching side, right? I mean, it is a little bit more on, so who are we? Um, what are we doing? Where are we going as a church and how can you participate in that? But we really felt like that is an important thing for us to cover periodically, that there's actually... Um, you know, there's, there's this experience we have on Sunday, and then there's maybe this behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't get to talk about quite as often. And we're, we're, we're really being moved, or we're part of a movement um, by the Holy Spirit in the state of Alaska, and it's exciting. And so in that sense, it's exciting to talk about. But we are gonna, we are gonna um, to get into a little bit, and I wanna start today by talking a little bit about my story. The truth of the matter is, um, you know, I grew up in a pastor's home, and as early as I can remember, I was placed in leadership roles. I mean, even, even like, you know, in elementary school, the pastor's kid always gets picked. I always had to know the Bible verse. I always had to, you know, and, and so I immediately began moving in the direction of leadership, and it wasn't until um, just a few years ago that I stepped out of local church ministry for the first time in my life. 
Um, and I moved from Oregon to Alaska. I'd done the youth pastor thing for a while. I'd done the senior pastor thing for a while. I'd served on staff at large churches. I'd done kind of all the things in between. And, and I, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go teach. And I, I got a job at Alaska Bible College in Palmer. And I was a part of a, a, on a board of a missionary, aviation missionary organization and moved my family up to Oregon. And something, um, dramatic took place in my life. And maybe some of you can relate to this, and maybe, maybe you can't, but um, I went from, from being a senior pastor of a church like this, where everybody in town knew me and I knew them. Believe it or not, I knew everybody's name along for those days. It was wonderful. You couldn't go to the grocery store without being known, right? I mean, a 30-second trip to the grocery store was at least a half an hour, maybe an hour. You just didn't know. And we loved that experience. And with one flight of a plane to Alaska, I became almost entirely unknown. And I obviously, I wanted to gravitate towards church, but I, I didn't want to settle for just anything I wanted to, as a part of my role at the college, I wanted to kind of see all the churches. I wanted to just take the time, even though I probably knew I was going to like pick something really fast and really early, I wanted to take the time to kind of spread out and to discover for myself what God was doing in Alaska. And so um, we didn't commit to Church on the Rock for an entire year. During that year, I preached in churches, I went all over the place, and it was the worst year of my life. Not because there aren't good churches out there, but when you don't feel like you belong, when you haven't found that place called home, it is hard. It is just hard. And, and then to show up, and this is my story, to show up in a place where nobody knows your name. Remember this? Remember Cheers? Like, just to show up where somebody knows your name, right? You know, um, where there's a story that you share. So critical, so important, and I didn't really have that. And I've been warned, prior to moving up to Alaska, I've been warned, um, look, when, when you move, you're going to go through three years of, um, uh, of really poverty, poverty defined geographically. In other words, you don't know, you, you don't know where your doctor is going to be. You don't know where everybody goes to, to buy their goods. Like, like geographically, you just don't know the area. And so there's a little bit of a poverty of sorts that comes with that. Um, there's going to be a poverty financially. We sold everything we owned and then had to start all over again. And, um, and so, you know, if you sell things down in Low 48, you move up to Alaska, it doesn't go as far. The money doesn't go as far up here. And so three years of poverty, they said. And then the most significant one, and this is what I found to be fundamentally true, three years of relational poverty where all of the being known and all of the deep friendships are gone and you have to start all over again. The fact of the matter is I think a lot of people don't stay up here because they can't take that transition and it's difficult and we lived that as a family, not just as a father and a, and, or a couple, but my four kids, we all went through it together. It was in that time period that we discovered Church on the Rock. And I'll never forget walking into the Palmer campus. And at the time, the campus was not its own campus. It was meeting in a schoolhouse. Never forget the first time walking in there. And I've been to a number of churches already. And I kind of happened on Church on the Rock. And just feeling immediately like God was up to something that I needed to be a part of or at least investigate. 
and being welcomed by Pastor Lori, Chris's wife, in the foyer. And it was as if she knew who I was. This was precipitated, actually, by another interesting encounter. I was, um, you know, when you move to a new location, you're setting up bank accounts, and you're doing all these things. And for whatever reason, I don't remember the whole story, I needed to make a withdrawal, and I was at the bank earlier than it was open. And I was sitting outside. I wanted to be the first one in. This is in Palmer at Wells Fargo. And, and all of a sudden, this strange woman walks up to me, and she began to strike up a conversation. You ever been in that mood where you just don't want to talk to anybody? And I thought, this is so strange, but I'm a friendly guy, so I'm going to go with it, right? And I began talking with this lady, and she started telling me her life story, which I was totally into because I'm most of the time wired in that same direction. We, we begin this conversation. The next thing I know, I find out she's a Christian and she finds out I'm a Christian. She says, you should come to my church. And so it was Church on the Rock. She told me where it was. Here's the funny part of that story. I'll just really, just it's crazy. For a year, I never saw her again. Like I attended Church on the Rock. I never saw it. I never saw her. In my mind, she looked a certain way. You know, it was, a, it was an early morning experience. And then, and then over, the, over that period of a year, like I didn't know who she was. And so I would actually tell the leaders, I think it was an angel. I don't know who, but somebody. And there was this story that went with it. Anyway, long story short, one day I'm sitting there talking to Pastor Chris at a, like a potluck fellowship. And, uh, and in she walks. And... Um, and, and says, by the way, I'm the angel. So not an angel. We've just been doing different services, you know, those kinds of things. But um, um, there's a little bit about my story, but here's what I want you to, to drill in on. When it came to that place to belong, uh, it was almost immediate. We knew, we knew that God was doing something at Church on the Rock. And I had a different job and a different direction and a number of different things, but it was this was the place that my kids were going to plug into. This was the place that if we needed something, we were going to have friendships and relationships surrounding us that could be that, that counsel and that advice and that resource to us as a couple, as, as a man. This was going to be the place I was going to invest, and I immediately started, you know, joined Pastor Chris's uh, guys group that he was running at the time, and just we just started to try to plug in and find out what is it what is it that we need to be a part of? What is it that God is doing? Because we knew the value of church and the value of being known. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. It was awkward at times. And yet we realized this is what we need to do if we're gonna really be a part of this family and a part of this movement of God in Alaska. Uh, I can just tell you the end of the story. It wasn't too long ago I began saying, you know what, those three years of poverty are over. We have some incredible friendships. And it came to, to roost this last couple weeks when I sent my son Seth off to college. And just prior to sending him off to college, I thought, I want to collect together a group of guys. I want to take these group of guys, godly men, men who love their wives, men who are healthy, men who um, I've been doing life with now for a number of years. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them around my campfire. 
and, and we are gonna send Seth off, and we're gonna do a ceremony, and, and, and I got this knife that I, that I had inherited from my grandpa when he died, and it was his hunting knife, and became my hunting knife, and I, I, I you know, put some effort and work into it, and I handed it to him, and we just did this ceremony. At the end of all that ceremony, all these guys did a toast, and they stood up, and they, they said various things to my son. It was just incredible, an incredible experience. And I was able to turn to my son, Seth, and said, Seth, because he knows our story. He felt those three years plus of relational poverty. I said, Seth, these guys are the kind of friends you need to go discover when you go to college. And he had a picture. He had those, those relationships. He's seen how it works. And when I couldn't hardly speak because I was so overcome with emotions, those guys stepped up and they were brothers to me in that moment. And they weren't just holding Seth accountable for faithfulness, they're holding me accountable to release my son over to the Lord in a new way in this new season of life. And we're there together and I've got the picture to prove it. That's the work of God. Listen, there's a lot of stuff we're about to enter into here, but that's the picture I want you guys to have on the forefront. Where are we going together? Towards deeper relationship. That's where we're heading. And to get there, we're going to talk in terms of participation. Participation. All in. Diving into this thing. Discovering what it all is. So whether you're a founder, some of you guys have been here forever. (laughs) Or whether you're just a friend of a friend and this is your first Sunday, we're going to talk about participation. Last week, we got into it. And uh, we talked about our purpose, so we'll put that slide up there. Here's our purpose to rehash. Church on the Rock exists to develop people who, say it with me, love, live, and lead like Jesus. Love God and people, live in freedom through Christ, and lead others through disciple making. And this purpose spills over into our values. So here are our core values once again. Uh, We believe Uh, in a church that is worshiping, a church of deep relationships, a church that inspires growth in all areas of life, and then finally, um, a church that believes in participation. And participation is really what we want to talk about this week. And and so here's what we want to how we want to say this this week. Um, We want to help you discover your divine design, help you discover your divine design, and find your place in the church. Um, And for us, for us, this is a matter of obedience. Um, In other words, here's what we believe. We'll put it in some different words. We believe every follower of Christ is called to ministry. Do you agree with that statement? Um, Every follower of Christ is called to ministry. The way I've always said it in my family is, guys, you're all supposed to be leaders in some sense. In other words, no sideline thinking here, no passivity. We're all called to something. We're all called to lead something, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. This is a responsibility. It's a responsibility to find out what God has for you, and it's our responsibility of leaders to help you discover that, to help you discover your design, how God has actually wired you. Now, now we could go to like that ultimate verse, right, Matthew um, Matthew at the end, Matthew 28, 19, 20, the Great Commission as it's known, simply suggests, right? It tells us that we're to go in all the world and preach the gospel. 
Like if there's nothing else you feel like you've been called to do, you've been called to do that. Like can we agree to that? And that's, that is the essence of ministry. It is forsaking, forsaking all others, we will dive headlong, full into whatever it is that God has called us to, namely preaching the gospel, making disciples. We are on a disciple-making adventure. And, and that's not just the leaders of the church, right? The point is, is that Jesus is talking to his group, the group, the disciples, but he's talking to individuals, the disciples, and in a sense, he's talking to you directly. Go, therefore, make disciples. As you're going, as you're carrying out your normal everyday life, as you're down at the grocery store for that 30-second conversation that turned into something more, make disciples. That's what you're to be about. And so whatever it is that you need to do to get there, get there. But there's another verse I want to put in your thought process, and that's in Ephesians. Paul writes to the group, the church in Ephesus, and he says this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. It's interesting. You're called gifts. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. These are the gifts. What is it that about these offices that are gifts to the church. Well, here's, here's what they're supposed to do. These people in these positions are supposed to do something for you. It's a gift for you. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be great if after having come to faith in Jesus Christ, there was a local assembly of believers that believed like you, and they took it on themselves to train you up in the things of God so that you could carry out the fullness of the purpose that God had on your life. I mean, you knew you had purpose when he called you child, but wouldn't it be great if there was some system, some way where people would come around you and, and promote you to do the thing that you know God wants you to do? It's not actually our idea, is it? It's God's idea. It's his idea. And we all started at square one, but it was through this mechanism we call the local church. Not just the church universal, but the local church. It's through this place right here, these kinds of places all over the world that God has chosen to come around you as an individual so that you can become everything that he would desire for you to be. But I want to focus on something here. The primary responsibility of leaders is equipping. There was a, a moment in my church in Port Orford where, you know, sometimes you got to earn your cred. I mean, I know Cody does this, right? But every once in a while, you know, um, you got to do something unexpected. And you don't do it intentionally, but, but you know, it's just maybe in you. And so you do it. And the came this moment when um, I was the, the youngest and the smallest guy at the work crew. And we had to throw cement into a drain. And I got down in there because I grew up ranching and I grew up, you know, just getting into it and building and, and those kinds of things. And I didn't even think about it. I just got into this hole in our parking lot um, that wasn't working properly. And I was throwing cement into this thing. And this old Korean war vet came up to me and he said, wow, I've never seen a pastor be that dirty. And I knew in that moment I had won points, right? <laughs> you know, there's nothing that is below me, right? Or Pastor Cody. Like, there's no, like, we should be willing to do anything 
that's required. At, at, any, at a drop of a hat. But when it comes to what our primary responsibility is, it isn't throwing cement. I mean, if we could find somebody else to, that'd be great. Sometimes you just got to step in and do it. Jesus would have done anything. But there's there's that recognition in the body that there is some kind of an order for it to move properly. And I want to point that out, that the primary role of these gifts is to equip you. It's to give you what you need so you can move forward in your journey. Um, Our assumption um, is that uh, that, uh, uh, you are actually doing a work and you are in need of equipping. So our job then is to actually, like a paraclete, come alongside of you so that you can accomplish what you are fashioned and fit for. In fact, listen to this. Um, Here's what we believe. We believe that you have been designed by God. That whatever you were before you met Jesus, after you come into the family of God, he outfits you for service. We believe God intentionally designed you to join his mission and has uniquely equipped you for it. A couple verses that prove that, uh, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork. The word here in Greek is, is poema. Sounds like poem, doesn't it? It's where we get the word poem from. We're God's poem, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I have received more encouragement from this verse. I memorized it as a kid, probably than any other verse in the Bible. This idea that even though I wasn't good at math or, or maybe I, I failed to you know, make it to you know, the Olympics or whatever passion or dream was on my mind, that, that there was some way for me to have success today in God's eyes because I'm not alone in this journey and that God has actually prepared for me as an individual and for us as a church. He's actually prepared a path for me to walk today for all my kids, for you. There's a path prepared just for you that was prepared when? Before the foundation of the world. Is that not amazing? See, God knew. And, and that here's why that encourages me, because in a world that's broken and corrupt, there is still something good for you to do every day. There's something good. There's a path of good that you're on, and you can do it. Jesus thinks you can. And that's worked itself out into the church. Here's the second verse, Romans 8, 28. See, some of you guys don't feel like your poems. Poems are beautiful. So here's a verse for you. And we know that for those who love God, say it with me, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You know why that's so important? Because some of us look back at our past and we're like, yeah, but if you knew my past, it doesn't look like a poem. And yet, this verse comes to play in this moment. If you're a part of the body of Christ, even the broken can turn into something that is blessed. Even the corruption in our lives, even the lack of things in our lives, the lack of skill, the lack of talent, I I don't care what it is, this is a promise from God. He wants you to know he can redeem all of it. He can beautify all of it. He can use all of it. Whether your testimony is God has held me securely in his hand all these years or 
I just met Jesus yesterday, and I don't know my right hand from my left. God's using all of it. He wants all of it. He's placing all of it together into the body. God is determined to use even the junk in our lives to transform our world. So here's what this means. It means your story matters. I just want to hear that. I told you my story. I just want you to know your story matters. Your story is unique. I know. I get that. Your story matters. God is working something right now in your story. Your life experiences have shaped and continue to shape who you are and what you have to offer. But God is all over it. You hearing me? He's all over it. He wants you to participate in this thing called church. So whether your skills um, are everything you hoped they would be or not, painful moments in your life, the hurts, all of it, God is in it with you to win it. Which brings me to an illustration that we use in our circles of leadership. And it's the illustration that we borrow from a guy named Jim Collins who wrote a book called Good to Great back in the day. And it's the story um, of a hedgehog and a fox. I know it's a little weird, but stick with me here, okay? It's the story of a hedgehog and a fox, and uh, it's actually a retelling of an ancient Greek story. And here's the idea from ancient Greece, is that the fox knows many things, but the hedgehog knows one big thing. Catch that. The fox knows many things, but the hedgehog knows one big thing. And what Jim Collins discovered when he interviewed and looked at corporate America is he realized that companies that move from good to great or companies that become the best in their industry or the best globally, that the best, the very best companies aren't like foxes. They aren't jack of all trades. They're like hedgehogs. They're good at one big thing. You can kind of take this illustration a little further too as well. When it comes to a fox and a hedgehog getting together on war terms, when, when the fox tries to eat the hedgehog, the hedgehog does what? One big thing. It curls in on itself and it doesn't matter how much the fox knows about killing and eating. It can't get to that hedgehog. All it has to do is that one thing really, really well. Now, Jim applied this to corporations, but we kind of borrow this and morph it a little bit, and we apply it to um, finding our way or to participation here at Church on the Rock. The truth of the matter is, is that um, all of us have something to offer. All of us have something to give. There are gifts given to the church to equip you, but you are also gifted, You're being equipped for something, right? And that something may or may not be in the local church, like it may not be a Sunday morning something, but it's a something something for somewhere at some point in time. And it's for the church. It's for the glory of God. It's for the kingdom. And God wants you to know what it is. So the question we're always asking is like, what is your hedgehog? Well, there's there's some things that we can go through to define what that hedgehog is. It includes three areas. Are you ready for this? Um, We each have a combination of passions and giftings that uniquely qualify us for opportunities God brings. So it looks something like this. We have these circles that we put up for you to look at to remember this. 
There's, first of all, your passions. Your passions, those things that make us feel alive and we most desire to spend our lives doing, right? And those passions may shift as time goes on. Now, the truth is that some of you have passions, um, but you'll never carry some of those passions out. Actually, I think God does that to us a lot of times. There's things that I felt called to do as a little child that I've never done. And I don't know if I'll ever go do those things, but I'm passionate about them. I'm actually, as I get older, supposed to be passionate about more and more and more and more. That's not how I determine my hedgehog, but it's one component. There are a lot of things God shows me that somebody's supposed to do, but I'm not supposed to go do for one reason or another. But I am supposed to be passionate about it, right? So passion. Um, A mentor of mine uh, once looked at my resume. I was getting ready to get into ministry at a different level. And so I put together this this resume, you know, and uh, I kind of put it, you know, I kind of borrowed from everybody else. And I'm like, okay, well, here's my list of achievements. I mean, that's what you do. You boast on a resume, right? Like, here's all the cool things I've done and all the cool people I know. And I remember him kind of just handing it back to me and saying, here's what I want to know. What are you most passionate about? Write that down for me. That became, that became the very first thing people saw on my resume, what I'm most passionate about. And if you can imagine, that is way more interesting anyway, isn't it? What are you passionate about? Answer that question today. Nehemiah was passionate about the walls of Jerusalem rebuilding because he knew that Messiah would walk through that city gate someday, and he wanted to be a part of what God was passionate about. So he was passionate about it. What are you passionate about? Here's the second piece, giftings. Giftings, both natural, here's what they are, both natural and developed skills that we possess at a higher than average degree, okay? How do you discover your gifting? Uh, Ron Allen, a Hebrew professor back in the day, once put this package together for me. I've used it for years. It's easy to remember. I think it's pretty accurate. How do you discover you're gifted at something, spiritually gifted at something? There's three ways. Number one, you love it. I've often heard pastors say things like, you know, I would never have done this if the Lord hadn't drugged me. No, I don't buy that. Just don't buy it. It's like, maybe you shouldn't be doing it then. You need to love it passionate about it. Do you love it? Do you love it? Is it? Now, that doesn't mean you don't grow tired of something over time. It doesn't mean you can't get burned out. But after a couple months off, you look back and go, I've got to be doing that thing. I've got to be doing it. Do you love it? And do people recognize it? Some of you love things, but nobody recognizes you're any good at it. For me, it's singing. And if you sit in front of me, I'm singing. I'm just not on key. Nobody has ever turned around and said, you should be in the choir. I took note a long time ago. It's never changed. You love it. People recognize it. And then here's the third one. God uses it. I, I realize, I realize, and this is the opposite of boasting. I realize that when I speak, and I've been speaking for years, that more important than my eloquence, more important than my story, in many cases, more important than my content is the fact that God does something supernatural that I cannot explain. And I know that because I'll say something and it won't be very good. And then somebody will walk away and go, man, pastor, when you said this, it changed my life. And I don't tell them in that moment, but I often think to myself, I never said that. God was at work. 
Something was happening. So you love it, people recognize it, and God uses it. God uses it. Those three things come together, you have a gift. Here's the third thing I want to put in front of you, opportunities. Opportunities are those things that actually are available to you. In other words, there's many passions I have, but I don't have opportunity. I may never, for one reason or another. That's okay. But when all these things align, you have your hedgehog. When all these things align, you have that one big thing that you might be great at, that you might be able to pursue. Find out what that thing is. I remember the words of my dad back in the day. He would say, Jonathan, I don't care if you pump gas for the rest of your life for Jesus. As long as you discover how you're wired and your place to belong in the church. You know what? I think his, I think his dream was fulfilled. Well, at the time, I didn't understand the significance. He was saying, listen, it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you do it for Jesus, but I want you to understand this. Whatever you do, make sure you're a part of what God is doing through the local church. That's gonna be a secret to your life, and it has been. So if you don't know where to begin, uh, we've designed a way for you to discover that, and it kind of relates to the story that I begin with. What we would offer you or what we would encourage you to do and to do quickly is to discover one of our groups. This to me is one of the best ways to plug into a church, to get connected. So, so that when things go south and they always go south at some point in our life, we're not alone. We have a community that knows us, that loves us, that can resource us in those moments. And it's just way more fun, right? It's just way more fun. Um, discover some of our groups. We have small groups. Small groups are just a few individuals that have an intention to grow. So typically this, this looks like either a home or a meeting here at the church, and it's just a Bible study, some sort of a study that we're walking through, and it's typically a limited time. We also have life groups. Life groups is something my wife and I have been participating in for years, for years and years and years. We started them in youth ministry like 20 years ago, and we believe in life groups. And so we've uh, run several different kinds of life groups out of our home. But whether our life group ends or whether people move away, we stay connected. We are in it for life, and we mean it. And, uh, and it is the reason um, I was able to be so blessed the other night when my son was there. Um, we had all those guys. They were all part of our life group at one point in time. We got to know each other by doing life together. It's a place of authenticity and growth. You can just be real. You know, the guys in my life group, we attend church together. They have no idea what I do. It's not what it's about. It's just about being guys together. I never talk about work. Um, we just talk about life. We talk about our families. We talk about things that matter to us deeply. They don't care that I'm a pastor or have authority in any, any realm whatsoever. They just think I'm a guy. Right? I mean, they know, but they don't know. And that's important. Frankly, it's important for my health. But it's important that we're all in those kinds of relationships where you can let your hair down and you're going to be accepted anyway. That's important. So, so life groups is one place where that can be found. They don't have an end date. It's about doing life together. Here's the third way you can get involved quickly, and that's to join a serve team. Uh, often we can grow in relationship fastest by serving together, serving with others. Um, in other words, in other words, Sunday isn't enough. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I remember first time encountering this teaching in Hebrews where the author of Hebrews just simply says, encourage one another as long as it is still called today, not Sunday. As long as it is still called 
today. In other words, every single day, you should be receiving encouragement from somebody. If you're not, what responsibility can you take in that equation? Is there a way for you to get encouragement? I guarantee there is. We've provided some of these things as a way for you to be in relationship with each other and to move from the sidelines and get in the game and become a participant. So what do we hope these opportunities will produce? Well, um, hopefully through this, you will discover your hedgehog, right? As people say, hey, you're really good at this, or wow, I didn't realize you were gifted in that category, or that's what you're passionate about. Did you know about this opportunity? That's how it happens. Get in relationship. You'll discover your hedgehog. But here's the second thing I want you to drill down on. Uh, We hope that you will develop a growing appreciation for the body of Christ. If you want to be successful in groups um, and you want to continue to grow, there's nothing like being in close proximity with other believers and serving together that will enhance and accelerate your chances at personal growth. We have something around here called the 360 honor. 360 honor. And here's what it basically is. It's this idea that as we grow together within a church of diversity, unity in diversity, that that context, that thing that God actually created, unity in diversity, different backgrounds, uh, maybe even, even different religious backgrounds that we all share, that when we come together in a local assembly, we have to give permission for each other to disagree a little bit. We have to give space for each other to think through issues, political issues a little bit differently, that when we engage in that process, it accelerates our spiritual growth. We get smarter, we get wiser, we get better for it. We actually grow. And Paul says in Corinthians that the church is actually wired this way, that that just like you have a body, the church is called a body, Paul says. And if you can imagine with me, when you stub your toe, when you stub your toe, when it stops growing, it affects every other part of the body. And when Paul leverages this body terminology, he's simply suggesting this. Listen, don't devalue another member of your body because right now it's a wound. It's an open wound. That part of your body is incredibly important. In fact, you would honor it. Paul even goes so far as to say you would honor the weaker members of your own body. You would honor those. And it's through that high honor, that 360 honor we call it, which is discoverable through small groups, life groups, and particularly, I would say, serve teams. When, when, when you are in those environments, you're going to be placed in proximity where you're going to have to live with people you might disagree with from time to time. We want that process to play itself out. That is the process that is required for growth. It's called being in the body of Christ. Listen, if there's one thing that stood out to me and one major reason we decided Church on the Rock is our home church, it is because we major on the majors and we minor on the minors. You could be a Democrat, you could be a Republican, and you could sit here. We're going to talk, and we're going to do life together, and we're going to eat together, and we're going to play together, and we're going to discover together what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and to give honor 
to those whom it is due. So consider joining a serve team. How do I do that? Well, here's how you do that. There's an application process, and then there's some brief equipping and some training that you'll need to go through. Now, here's why this matters. If you have more, you want more information on that, there's gonna be a QR code here in just a second, but you can go to the app or you can talk to Pastor Cody. They'll get you hooked into that serve team process. But I wanna end on how it, why it matters. Why is this so important? This is so important because of what Amos 3.3 says. The two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. It's a simple verse and it's kind of ripped from a context which is important. And the context is this. It's the context of a prophet speaking to a nation who has left their God. And it's in that context that the prophet decides to write about the relational tie, the intimate connection that God desired with his people. And he says, how can two walk together unless they're agreed? The idea of here, walk together, kind of gives you the sense or the picture, the image that it's just like, you know, this busy city and, and there's all these people walking on the sidewalk and, and just happen to be walking together with somebody. But that's not at all what's being said here. The Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, okay, the, the Septuagint actually translates this idea with familial, intimate language. And it's ascribed to Jesus the Son of God. In other words, in other words, it's used to describe Jesus as God's only begotten Son. How can two walk together in a family relationship? As if you are my only child. You are, you are my only one, my special child, the object of my special affection. How can two have that kind of a relationship if they are not in agreement? And I love this, but the idea of agreement here is literally, in contemporary thought, if they haven't put the appointment on their calendar yet, how can two have that kind of a relationship? You're crying on each other's shoulders because somebody died, or you're you're discovering what the next step is because you don't know what move to make next in your career, and you're praying through, and you need somebody to pray with you. How can you have that if you haven't made an appointment on the calendar for it? That's what he's saying. But he's also declaring this. That's the relationship I want with you, Israel, but you wouldn't have it. He wants them to participate in what he's doing. And by extension, he wants you to participate in what he's doing. And he's given you a venue called the local church. And we're just one. We're just one local church and a, and a mirage of local churches, all uh, myriads, excuse me, of local churches all over the place. And we would be honored if you would choose to participate at a deeper level with us. Intimacy is what it's about. So here's our vision, gospel-centered, life-giving gatherings in every Alaskan community. You notice it's not church on the rocks in every Alaskan community. It's gospel-centered, life-giving gatherings. And we're gonna cheer anybody who fits that description because we believe that participation is the pathway to growth and intimacy with God. So here is what we are asking you to consider. Partnership and agreement. Meet our ministry leads. Cody knows who they are. And find your place to serve. That's what we want you to do. 
Um, and there's a way for you to do that. You can scan this QR code. I'm just gonna leave this up here as the last and final slide. Scan that QR code and it will take you where you need to go. Um, as Pastor Jonathan said uh, last week, you know, we kind of launched this and hopefully you've taken a gift assessment and there's some things that you've done even to prepare for this week. If you haven't, go back and do some of those things. But all of this information is online. We want to direct you to that information. And we want you to ask questions. Um, ask questions. Uh, Cody and Sophie are here. They're here for you. They want to answer your questions. And here's what I believe. One of the reasons we timed this series right now is because fall's coming. Fall's coming. I just sent my oldest boy off to school, but some of you are teachers, and uh, here we go. This week, right? Everything kicks off. You've been busy. It's about to get really busy. Well, I actually believe it's in this season that many people move into these communities, or many people are starting to long for community. By joining a serve team, you're saying, I want to welcome those people in. I want to go beyond myself, and I want to open my door in hospitality to this community in a fresh way. How do I do that? We can show you how to do that. Uh, it's fall, and so we're getting into that season, that season where the snow's starting to fly, and I know that's not popular to speak to, you know, but no tickling ears here, guys. We're going to say the real stuff. <laughs> And the truth of the matter is that this is the right time to think about, is there a life group? Could I launch one? Could I be a part of that? And there's a process to go through so that we can have some um, way to protect you and, and, and to protect the church in that process. Cody knows the process. Talk to him. Say, how do I launch a life group? I've always wanted to do that. Does it have to be people who are belonging to our church? Absolutely not. Half of the life groups I've led in my life, uh, we started with people in the community. Had nothing to do with church, but I invited them all to church, and many people have gotten saved and come to church, right? But it's about doing life with people. It's about committing to those relationships. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? I can't even understand who wouldn't want to start one, okay? But whatever it is that God is leading you to, don't hesitate. Now's the time to act. Are you with me? So what I want to do is I want to pray for you now. God, Thank you for this church. Thank you for the great things that are happening, for the leaders that are stepping up and stepping into new roles and positions here in Talkeetna. Lord, I believe you equip your church, you prepare your church for what is about to come next. And we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what comes next. But when we see your people preparing, we know there is a next. And so, Lord, I'm so hopeful. I'm so filled with joy with this body here in Talkeetna, in anticipation for what it is you're about to do, the creativity that is about to be leveraged, the relationships that are about to get more deep and more intimate, yes. the growth that is about to take place when I look around and I see your people in action. So God, would you just encourage our hearts, allow us to participate, allow us to just Kind of forget maybe those hang-ups or those hurts or those bad past experiences and remind ourselves of the promise. You're working all things together for our good. This is your provision, this local church thing. And it isn't perfect, but it's what you've given us. And is there anything better? God, would you invite us into a deeper, richer, fuller experience of your abundance of life through Church on the Rock. In Jesus' name we pray.